Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. All right. Amen. Lord, we just lift up the Kansas City Chiefs to you right now. Let this be the year. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Patriots are gone. They are no more. The Lord has opened the way. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's my first time here in Kansas City, so I thought I'd just, you know, get a win in there right away. Hey, why don't, you, uh, why don't you turn to somebody and give them a hug and then grab your seat and we're going to get into this this morning. Thanks, team. It's great. You guys are awesome. Hey, why don't we give it up for this incredible team? Great job. There was a guy with a pink base at the other campus. There was no pink base here. It's disappointing, to be quite honest. So work on that while you're doing whatever you're doing. Uh, <laughs> are we connected to the other uh, campus? What was that campus called? The plaza? The plaza? Yeah. Beautiful. Plaza people. It's sweaty. It's packed in there. It's aggressive. Good job over there. But I'm with the nicer people. They were, they were a little mean there. You know what I mean? They're, just, they're younger and just like, Argh, you know, showing me their teeth. I'm kidding. That's ridiculous. I love you, Plaza. <laughs> Maybe it's just because they were hungry. It's the first service. They hadn't eaten. Do you know what I mean? Because they're fasting. So you guys have a seven-day fast coming up, don't you? It's interesting because the Chiefs have a bye this Sunday, don't they? So you can fast for the Chiefs as well as whatever you want to fast for. Kyle? Good idea? Bad idea? Okay, whatever. I'll let you pastor that mess that I just created. (laughs) You guys have heart and soul tonight, don't you? Incredible. Yeah, please make sure that you come to heart and soul. Man, heart and soul is like the engine room of our church. So you don't want to make, you don't want to miss that. You want to be, if you call this uh, Hillsong Church your home, you need to be at heart and soul. That's going to be epic. Okay. I'm Nathan. I'm Canadian. Um, it was inevitable that we would meet. I'm, uh, I've been a part of our church now, I guess, I don't know, gosh, I don't know how long. I've been, I was in New York for eight years, part of our team there. Now I uh, live in Newport Beach. The Lord saw fit to send me to a better place. <laughs> I moved there in March. Um, it's wonderful. For a Canadian, it's really special because <laughs> Canada's a horrible, cold place. And it is what it is. It just is what it is. And so uh, I'm married to an Australian, and we're living in Newport Beach. We've been there since March. It's wonderful. And, and I kind of I travel around to our churches, and I, I speak, and I teach, and hang out with our people and whatever. It's kind of part of what I do. And um, so, yeah, so hi. I'm family. <laughs> and I'm your, I'm your weird cousin. Um, <laughs> um, this, this morning, uh, is it afternoon yet? Is it appropriate to say morning or afternoon? What do you think, Kyle? 
12.07, okay, this afternoon, we're going to stick with afternoon then. Um, this morning, this afternoon rather, I'd like to talk to you about, <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about, uh, well, if you're taking notes, uh, the, the title is, is called Yod with Kabod. Yod with Kabod. It's a great title. It's memorable. It means nothing to you right now, probably. Two Hebrew words, Yod and Kabod, and we're going to take a look at them. And hopefully you'll know what they mean. It's sort of a microcosm of the message. The message is about not knowing what you're doing because you've been doing it for so long. And, um, and so that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's the big idea. I had like a little mini Christian. I, I've been a Christian my whole life, I guess. You know, like my dad's a pastor. Um, couldn't escape it, really. I've tried to. I'm still trying to. Um, <laughs> But it is what it is, man, you know, like just doing, doing what the family does. Um, whatever, don't judge me. So uh, there's just times, uh, there's a, a couple, couple years ago, maybe three years ago, I was, our, our church in New York, we have a lot of services. Um, at one point we had, I think, seven, seven or eight services in a day. And I just remember just being like, oh, you know, like just a lot of church. And... Have you, I don't know if you've ever done this before. Maybe I'm the only person that has done this, but have you ever stared at a word and like you're just looking at the word for like 10 seconds and then you don't even know what that word means? Like you could stare at the and be like, the, what is the? T-H, it's so strange. You know, like it's kind of like when you stare at something and there's repetition in things, sometimes, you know, they lose their meaning. And so I would like to attempt... In, in, a, in a short time to just kind of bring back some meaning to what it is that we do as Christians, namely in the sphere of church and why we come to church and what we're doing here at church. Like, is this Christian karaoke? Is that why we sing? You know what I mean? Is that okay? That's kind of where we're headed. Yabba Kabad. I want to show you something kind of cool. Um, I think it's just wonderful. So when, when, when Jasmine and I moved to California... In, in March, the first thing that we did is we, we went out and we got um, annual passes to Disneyland. I don't know if you can see that. That's the, t the no blackout dates. Okay, that's the top one. Okay? I pay for two of those a month. Okay? It's like a mortgage. And um, we, <laughs> we're just like, let's do the California thing, you know? So we're living, uh, we live about 20 minutes away. From, from Disneyland, and we go as often as possible, about once a week. I know. Don't judge me. Okay? We love Disney, and my wife and I, I grew up not being allowed to actually watch a lot of movies because my parents were super strict. And uh, we were allowed to watch Disney um, films and stuff. So we, like, I know all the songs, right? Like, my, and my wife, same thing. Grew up in a strict Christian home. She's, so we, like, we know... It's one of our bonding things, man. Like, we know all the songs to the Disney movies, right? I got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. I got who's it's and what's it's galore. Thingamabobs, I've got. But who cares? No big deal. I want more, right? <laughs> so we know the stories and we know the songs. And so when we go to Disneyland, man, there, nothing is wasted on us. It's not like any other park. You know, it's just like, oh, this is a cool ride. No, man, like, it's, it, this is a, this is under the sea. This is Little Mermaid. It's important. You know, like, 
Like every brick is sacred at Disneyland because we know we're familiar with the story and the narrative and we know what we're doing. You know, you're hearing me. And I think that church is supposed to be magical that way. Like it's supposed to be magical. You're supposed to walk in and be like, I know what I'm doing here. I'm participating in this and this is, and this is what this action means and this is what this means. So I want to kind of like bring back some magic, you know, to church. You know what I'm saying? You hearing me? All right, let's go there. So I'm married to Jazzy. We've been married for six years. Um, Tim Keller says that it takes five to ten years to find out that you're not married to the person that you thought you married. We're in that like six years, right? I'm discovering that Jasmine is not who I thought I married. Like, who are you? You know, like, what? You don't like my spaghetti? You know what I mean? Like, it's a family recipe. Everybody likes it. No, nobody likes it, including me. <laughs> the reason is, Keller says, uh, that we discover that we're not married to that same person is because uh, we, we are actually control freaks, and we project onto our partners the idealized spouse, and we don't listen to them. And it takes about five to ten years for their shouts to finally get through. It's kind of interesting. The d- divorce, the gear of divorce is year seven. Interesting, isn't it? Oh, oh, you're n- I can't control you anymore. Bye, you know. And we do this to God. We, we project upon, onto him. The problem is that we don't listen to people, right? So in a relationship, what you're supposed to do is listen to them. It's in, insane. It's incredible. <laughs> I'm learning all about this, okay? So if you, how many people are, are not married today? Like, look at you. Oh, just, Lord, this could be the year. <laughs> just make sure that you're giving in the offering. Just... <laughs> how many married people we have? Okay, you know the struggle is real. Okay. <laughs> you single people don't, you have no clue yet. You don't know how selfish you are yet. It's incredible. So in marriage, in marriage, man, I'm telling you, oh. So in marriage, so it's, it's so simple, but it's so hard. So you're supposed to listen to them. It's one of the things that you're supposed to do to your spouse is imagine that, listen to them. Listening is, is you, so you shut your mouth, and then the sounds go in your ears, and then you compute the sound, and then you respond. The way that you get to know somebody is by allowing them to self-define, yeah. right? You don't project upon somebody. I don't come into your life and go, this is who you are. This is what you like, right? Well, that's what we do in marriage, um, particularly in our head and our projections. We don't, may, may not like, be audibly doing that but we're doing that in our head. And um, so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to allow them to self-define, right? Like, you know, you're, you're a person. And, and then after self-definition, you find out what that person likes because you've been listening to them. And this is the, the easiest. It's so easy, but this is the most difficult part. You find out what they like, and then you do what they like. <laughs> but nobody does that. Nobody. Like, it's the hardest thing. Like, you ever heard of, like, the five love languages? Gary Chapman, whatever. It's like the marriage book. It's essentially like, there's five love languages. And you need to find out your partner's love language and then love them the way that they want to be loved. Right? But the issue is that we love people the way that we want to be loved. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like, I love my, my life, my, my, my life. I love my, I love my life, but I love my wife the way I want to be loved. And so I need to like, stop that, you know, like, and I need to listen to her, allow her to self-define, find out what, he, what she wants, and then do what she wants. That's, that's marriage in a nutshell. Okay. Uh, some examples, for example, uh, my wife is Australian. She likes toast, avocado toast. Okay, I'm Canadian. Toast is essentially garbage in Canada. <laughs> if you go to a truck stop and you order a breakfast, right? Like you get the eggs, you get the bacon, you get the thick Canadian back bacon, it's delicious. Okay, you eat that and then you wipe your face with the toast <laughs> and you throw it on the ground where it, where, where it belongs. You know, like. You never fill up on the toast, right? It's, if you're still hungry, maybe. You know what I'm saying? Okay, but in, but in Australia, it's like their main course, dude. Like, she's all about it. And they'll pay $30 for smashed avocado and toast. It's weird. But my, it's, my, it's what she likes. You hearing me? So I, wanna, I love my wife. And I want to do what she likes, right? So, so I know, okay, Jasmine loves, if I'm out somewhere and I need to bring her something home or whatever, I know if I bring home avocado toast, I'm in the good books, right? <laughs> My wife is a, an Australian, and as I mentioned, and she uh, likes to drink alcohol. I'm a Christian, <laughs> so... <laughs> uh. No, Jesus, put your fancy wedding trick away. I don't want to compromise my witness, Lord. Um, <laughs> so so my, wife, um, my wife loves wine. She loves all the wines. Um, but her, her wine of, of preference at the moment is uh, Oregonian Pinot Noirs. She loves a Pinot Noir. I don't like Pinot Noir. I'm a cab sav guy. I like like a California cab sav, okay? We're talking explosive, jammy. You know what I'm saying? Like I want, it's to be, I want it to be ratatouille in my brain when I'm sipping on that. You know what I mean? Like a steak or something, okay? But my wife likes Pinot Noir. It's super like easy to drink, which is a problem. And, um, and it's, it's, it's very neutral. It's a very neutral grape. So neutral, in fact, that you can taste the ground that Pinot Noir is grown in. If you, honestly, like when you, when, you drink, when you taste a Pinot Noir, you're tasting the dirt. <laughs> it's very earthy because it's so transparent. And then on top of that, it, next time, if you, you know, if you do uh, enjoy a glass of wine here and there, um, <laughs> this is horrible, this is church. Um, but like on the nose, Pinot Noir, it's, it smells like a freshly opened pack of tennis balls. It's super rubbery. Right? Like, like, it smells like freshly cut garden hose. It's, so it's rubbery on the nose. It's dirty on the palate. I don't like Pinot Noir. But my wife likes Pinot Noir. So what do I do? I give her the Pinot Noir because I love her. You hearing me? Okay? <laughs> Where is this going? God is a person. He's not an impersonal cosmic force. He's a person. The, 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 the scriptures are so clear um, in their expose. In fact, of course there's a Bible. Of course there is. Because people self-define. It's what they do. 
It makes so much sense that there would be a scripture and that God would record, this is who I am, this is what I'm like, these are my preferences, right? Like the number one thing that people hate, particularly in, in, in psychology, is when they, are, they feel like they're not seen. They're, like it's a human need to be seen and to be understood. You hearing me? Like so people self-define. It's what they do. God is a person. He self-defines through Scripture. We have his, his uh, self-definition. The Scriptures are his self-revelation. And as a person, he has preferences. Right? I don't begrudge... My, would you, would you, do you begrudge people of their personal preferences? Is it reasonable that my wife likes avocado toast or Pinot Noir? Maybe not, but... <laughs> But, but we don't begrudge her that, right? Because people have preferences. You hearing me? God is a person. He self-defines his preferences. You're in a relationship with him, by the way. The plot thickens. Right? You know, is it a religion or a relationship? Well, let's go with a relationship for a second here. That's actually much harder. Oh, you, you ever been married? Oh, yeah. Yeah, relationships are tough, dude. I almost said they suck. Because <laughs> they're work. You can't mail in a relationship. You have to work at it. You have to do that whole thing of listening and then finding out what they want and being selfless and then serving them. Man, it's, it's work. You're in a relationship with God. He loves you. He's initiated the relationship. By the way, he'll always initiate the relationship. We love him because he first loved us, Right? And so let me remind you today that you're in a relationship with God Almighty and he has preferences and there's, there's ways that he wants you to love him and there's ways that he just doesn't want you to love him. You don't get to go, God, I, I love you this way. No, no, you'll love me this way. Just like my wife and just like you, right? You want me to love you with like a day old lasagna because that's what I'm into? No, you don't. You hearing me? Amen. Amen, Pastor. That's an encouraging word. Okay. <laughs> Let's continue. Let's continue. Psalm 141, verse 2. This is David. At this point in time, most scholars believe that David is writing this. Uh, there's, a t- there's a ton of wilderness psalms that he writes. This is most likely one of those psalms. David was anointed king as a young man. The problem was there was a king, and the king was like, well, I'm king, so you, you need to die. <laughs> and so David was on the run for a long time, uh, uh, hiding for his life in the wilderness. David loved the house of God, loved the tabernacle, was familiar with its furniture because he loved the Lord, and as somebody in love with the Lord and in relationship with the Lord, knew about the Lord, knew about his preferences, knew what he liked. And so we see in Psalm 141, David begins to kind of, he's, he's, he's missing the tabernacle and he's missing that closeness. Or, so he begins to pray through the tabernacle furniture, actually, which is pretty interesting. He says this, he says, Lord, let my prayer be counted as incense before you. As in, God, I'm not in, in Jerusalem right now. I'm in this wilderness. I feel disconnected from you. I want there to be, but I want to just be in, in your, because I know where your presence is, right? Do you remember the Ark of the Covenant? Like that golden box with the angels on it. You ever seen that movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark? 
Okay, remember at the end of the movie, they open up the Ark of the Covenant and it melts the Nazis' faces off? Great movie. Okay, that Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant was God's throne. It was his resting place on earth for a, for a season of time. He eventually took up an ark in the personhood of Jesus Christ. Um, but for a time, he's in this golden box or, or hanging out. It was his throne. And he was in the Holy of Holies. It was this little green room that God had that only one person could walk in once a year, the high priest. And there was this thick veil separating the rest of the tabernacle from the Holy of Holies, from the Ark. Just outside of the Ark of the Covenant, on the other side, immediately on the other side of that veil, was a, um, a golden altar, a tiny little golden altar where incense was burned perpetually. We see in the book of Revelation that the tabernacle is actually just a, it's kind of like a doll's, you know how like a Barbie dollhouse isn't a real house, but it's built to reflect a real house? The tabernacle was a doll's house to reflect God's actual throne room. All that furniture that's there is in God's actual temple. You hearing me? Including that incense. And we see in the book of Revelation that that incense that's burning, that, 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 that altar, is the prayers of the saints. So David, prophetically, having no clue but praying through the, 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 the furniture and knowing that there was incense burning in front of the, the, the ark, not knowing why, just went, God, could my prayers be counted as incense before you? And God's going, yes, they are. And Lord, the lifting up of my hands, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm not at the tabernacle right now, but I want to bring you something. I want to worship you. Let the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Like, I want to sacrifice to you because we're in relationship, and I want to show you that my heart is in this thing. I want to bring something before you, but I can't because I'm removed. But I, I, I have this prophetic sense um, that if I lift my hands to you, that's going to please you. Pretty cool stuff. The Hebrew word for hand is yod. Yod. If you've got, you got a hand today... I'd like you to just lift your yod to me for a second. Just show me your yods. Pretty dope. Okay, you guys are crushing. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Keep your yods up. Okay. Now, just wave like that. Brilliant. That's okay. So you just yadod. It's incredible. Yada. Yada is just a waving of the yod. <laughs> um, you don't probably recognize the Hebrew word yada, but you would recognize its English transliteration, which is Judah. The Germans kind of Germanified all of the Hebrew words. They like those hard J's. Um, and so we say Judah, but Yada is, is essentially, and, and Judah is a tribe of Israel. It means praise. Yada means praise. The Hebrew, in the Hebrew mind, praise always involves the, la the lifting of the hands, the raising of the hands. You hearing me? It's the root word. The, the writer of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, picks up this theme from, from Psalm 141. And he's writing to a Jewish crowd. The book of Hebrews was written to Jews, or um, Jewish Christians, rather. And scholars believe that actually the, 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 the book of Hebrews was, was written in Hebrew first and then translated into 
Greek because the, the Greek words are so highly technical and, and 80% of it is, doesn't appear anywhere else in the, in the New Testament. Um, it reads like this, through him, through Jesus then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of, and that would be yada, to God. Offer up a sacrifice of praise. Why sacrifice of praise? Because it's, it's the exact word use from Psalm 141. Right? Like, let this be the evening sacrifice. So then, writing to Jewish Christians, they'd know, oh yeah, Psalm 141. Yeah, we know, we know that. We're with you. Yeah, let's ask, so through Jesus then, through Jesus, let's, off, let's continually offer up a sacrifice of yada to the Lord. And it accompanies, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So your hands are being raised and your lips are acknowledging his name. God, we're singing to you. We're, we're acknowledging you. We're, uh, other translation is um, um, sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. That's in King James. We used to sing this song at our church. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Worst song ever. <laughs> but great theology. We knew what we were doing. You know what I mean? Well, okay, we're here. We're at church. We're bringing the sacrifice of praise. And we offer up to you our sacrifices of thanksgiving. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifice are pleasing to God. All right, hit, let's hit pause for a second. Sacrifices. That's like a whole sermon entirely. Um, but really quickly, there's two sacrifices you need to know about. The first sacrifice is the sacrifice that is once and for all, unrepeatable. It's done by Jesus Christ. And it's an atoning work. It's a sacrifice that puts you in relationship with God the Father. It removes all of your sin. Past, present, future. Okay, so it's pretty incredible. That sacrifice, when you put faith in Jesus Christ, you apply the blood of Jesus Christ to your life, and you're cleansed. You know what I'm saying? So that you, can't, you don't get to do that sacrifice. Jesus did that sacrifice. You just received that sacrifice by faith. You hearing me? From that sacrifice, so from approval, from good standing with God, we sacrifice. We don't sacrifice for it. We sacrifice from it. You hearing me? But we sacrifice nonetheless. Was that a clap or something? It was a well-timed clap. Digital clap. The issue sometimes that we have theologically is that we think that, okay, the sacrifice is done, therefore I don't have to do anything. Right? It is finished. Yes, that atoning work is finished, but you got a job to do. Right? You have a job to, to, to bring sacrifices, as we see in Hebrews chapter 13. Why? Because you're a priest. Check out this next verse, 1 Peter 2, 5. You yourselves, this is to you, to Hillsong, Kansas City. You yourselves, like living st stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a priest. You're a priest. <laughs> yes, you. The, the, the priesthood of the believer is like a foundational truth from the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther's sitting there and he's got 95 problems with the Catholic Church 
And one of them was that he didn't want, he, he was reading the Bible and the Bible's going, uh, you're the priest. He's like, well, I, what? I don't need a priest to connect me with God. No, you are the priest. You hearing me? You, you, our whole church is full of priests. Every, every man, every woman. Right? Do I believe in, in the priesthood of women? Absolutely. It's in the scripture right here. Because we're, we're a whole church of priests. You hearing me? You're the priests. And what do priests do? They offer spiritual sacrifices. It's literally your job to lift your hands and sing to the Lord. You had one job. It's your job. It's not an option. You're a priest. You hear me? It's your job. It's your calling. Like, what, what's your calling? I often hear people talk about calling and purpose, etc. Your calling is as a priest to the Lord. That's your highest and first calling. Jesus saved you to be a priest to the Lord. It's your calling. Why are you alive? To minister to the Lord. That's why you're alive. It's your, jo- it's your most important job. The problem, though, is that outside of church, you're not a priest, you're a consumer. Everywhere you go, you got your Yelp review. You know what I mean? You got your Yelp app, and you're just like, okay, we're going to Denny's this afternoon, right? And she was a little snarky, so out of five stars, mm, 1.7, right? Like, right? You're constantly evaluating how you're being served, right? Oh, bacon was a little cold, so 1.2, right? And no tip, right? <laughs> Then you come into church with your Yelp review, forget that you're a priest. Now the culture has come into the church, tainting the church, and we're Yelp reviewing church. That's a problem. That's not how it's meant to go down. You hearing me? You're a priest, right? So when you come to church, you put the Yelp review away, you know, instead of, well, you know, I like Pastor Kyle a little bit better than this guy. He's a little strange. And I don't like Canadians, so 1.1. You know, like, they didn't sing my song today. Mm, zero stars, you know? It's not about you. It's about him. <laughs> now, paradoxically, as you minister to the Lord, believe me, you are ministered to. Right? It's this, it's this paradoxical, beautiful exchange. But you're not here for you. You're here to minister to the Lord. Because you're a priest and you're on the job. You hearing me? This is not the priesthood up here. Right? This, this isn't the worship team. You're the worship team. We're just facilitating your job as a priest to bring spiritual sacrifices. We pass the love bucket so that you can do your job. That's why we do it. Literally, because you're a priesthood. We're giving you an opportunity to do your job. Game changer. This is a game changer. You'll never see church the same way after this message, I'm telling you. Because all of a sudden you're going to say, oh, that's right, I'm, I'm here to minister. My first and primary duty when I come to church is to minister to the Lord. God, I'm here for you. I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to give to you praise, glory. I'm going to lift you up. I'm here for you, not for me. But to give glory, to give kabod to you. Amen. <laughs> 
And to minister to others. The priesthood ministered to the Lord. The priesthood ministered to others. Game changer. God wants Yod. It's point number one. Okay, I got three points. I'm a good preacher and I'm going to say things in threes. <laughs> point number one, God wants Yod. He, he, wants, he wants, this is what he's into. Okay? So rather than go, judging it, or I'm, I'm not really a hand raiser. Well, you are now because you're in your relationship with God. I wasn't an avocado toast person either, but now I am because I'm in relationship with Jess. You hearing me? It's part of your calling now. Oh, my family didn't lift hands. That's fine. You're in a relationship with God. He's into it. Do your job. Give him the Pinot Noir. It's what he wants. Babe, what do you like? I love you. I'm giving you what you like. You hear me? God, you've been so good to me. And if hands is what you want, you're going to get a lot of hands. You hearing me? That's, a, that, that's the spiritual sacrifice. Yes, it, sacrifice is appropriate because sometimes it is a sacrifice to lift your hands to the Lord when you don't feel like it, when things haven't been going when your way, when the Kansas City Chiefs aren't winning. Hello. <laughs> it hurts a little bit. It's a sacrifice of praise. We lift our hands. To the, okay, God, this is, it's about you. I'm ministering to you. This is what you like. I'm going to give you what you like. God wants Yod. <laughs> Psalm 57. Psalm 57. This is David again. He says this, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. David gets it. God, I'm going to sing. I will sing. And I will make melody. And then he goes, Awake my glory. And then he says, he, he tells us what his glory is. Awake, O harp and lyre. What we know about David was that he was an incredible multi-instrumentalist. There's, there's a, a passage in the book of Samuel where he plays and this oppressive spirit has to flee because he's just, it's what he does, man. It's his weight, it's his kabod. And then we, we know that he was a, a, a prolific writer. We have his, his whole discography, the Psalms, right? And, um, and so he's, he's, he's going, God, I'm gonna worship you and I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna worship you with my kabod, my, my glory. The Hebrew word there, awake my glory, the, the word is kabod. Kabbat is translated in English as glory, but in the Hebrew, uh, it, it means literally weight. Like it's your weight. Everybody has a kabod. Everybody has a weight. When you walk into a party and people don't know you, so they kind of lean over to the host and they're like, who's that dude? The host is like, oh, that's so-and-so. And they begin to talk about your weight that you bring to that room. Oh, that, that person, man, they own this, uh, that guy's a, a, a brilliant, brilliant uh, a car uh, uh, fixer upper. <laughs> I'm a very technical. I'm into cars, hardcore. He owns a garage, you know, across the way, and and he's he's genius, man. He'll fix your car. He'll give you a great price. He's brilliant. He's a great husband. He's a great dad. Um, he plays football. He's a, you know what I mean? They just begin to talk about you. Talk about your weight. Your weight's what you're known for. Your kabod is the reason why somebody would call you up on the phone and ask you for advice. It's your kabod. It's your wisdom. It's your spark. It's your dialed inness. It's the highest flower of your existence. It's not just what you're good at. It's also your turned upness and your dialed inness. There's this girl at our church. Uh, she's an administrative. Her kabod in the office is administration. We're like a bunch of creatives, and she's always kind of, she's very serious. She's the glue that binds us, right? Three or four years ago, we're out, um, at a, we're, we're doing, having a, a staff Christmas party, and she's not the kind of girl, like, you'd look at her and go, she dances. 
Do you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, she's administrative. You know what I mean? That's horrible. Okay, anyways. So her song comes on, dude. And she gets up, she starts dancing, and I remember going, oh, God. Like, <laughs> like it was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen in my life and the most beautiful thing. Have you ever seen somebody just go for it? And you're like, that's horrible, but so raw and passionate. And it's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? That's kabod. Kabod doesn't have to be expertise. It could be you're in it. You know what I'm saying? You know when a fan is just cheering their team on, man, that's, like, that's kabod, right? Um, your kabod, fellas, is the reason why your wife fell in love with you. It's your, your, your being present and you're listening. You know, my wife fell in love with my kebab, my, my attentiveness, right? Listening. Remember that first date, right? You're hanging, hanging on every moment. You know, don't want to miss a thing. <laughs> even when I dream of you. <laughs> Nailed it. Take that, Steven Tyler. You thought you were the only one that can do that? No. So, <laughs> so... So I'm listening, like one of, the, one of the ways that I love my wife is by listening, she has crazy psychotic dreams. Every night, and she remem- my wife remembers every dream she's ever had. It's the weirdest thing. I don't remember dreams. My wife will like wake up the next morning and she'll be like angry at me and I'll be like, what? You know, and she'll be like, you were mean to me last night in my dream. <laughs> like I was doing nothing. I was sleeping. <laughs> it's weird. So sometimes I'm a little bit apprehensive about listening to her dreams because I'm always in trouble in her dreams, but <laughs> Freudian. Um, so I ask her, uh, but I, you know, I'm learning, like, right? Like I'm learning to ask questions. Um, I'm learning to uh, ask questions with multiple words in them. What happened in your dream? You know, showing interest, right? I was being chased by a velociraptor, you know. What happened next? Right? Showing interest, guys, right? Kabod. I'm listening to you, I'm present, whatever. And so then she'll be telling me, and I'll be driving or whatever, and I'll just be like, uh huh, yeah. You know, doing the uh huhs and the yups, you know, and yeah, uh huh, right? And then she'll be like, loser, where are you? You know? And God is like a woman. He knows when you're not there. He knows when your kabod is not there. And you see, point number two is God wants yod with kabod. So he wants the Pinot Noir. He wants our hands and he wants our mouths, but he wants our kabod. He wants our heart and our dialed inness and our spark and our weight to be behind those hands. Some of you, your kabod is, you're an encouraging person, okay, you're, and you're articulate. And I go, hey, there's somebody over here, and they're really struggling, and I give you a pen and paper, and you write down, you know, this beautiful message and give it to them, change their world, you know. But in your worship to the Lord, this connection with your kabod, you're drawing blanks. Some of you, you make money. It's what you do. It's your kabod. It's your weight entrepreneurial, you're, you have a strategic business mind. God gave you that kabod, by the way. All kabod is from God. There is no glory that exists um, outside of his glory. It all comes from his glory. There's, there's no beauty in the world that is not from him. 
Everything is transcendent. He's the one who is pre-existing. So any glory is from him. Your kabaddi ain't even yours. All the more reason to give it to him. Your kabod is, is making money, but there's a disconnect in your worship. And so you're bringing the Pinot Noir, but you're not there. God's going, hey. You know, <laughs> my relationship with my wife, man, she's got access to everything. It's scary. She's got, she's got the Delta Sky Miles. American Express. Makes me nervous. Right? But joint bank accounts, baby. Access. You hearing me? God wants Yod, but he wants Kabod. Two people can have their hands lifted in worship. One person's mailing it in. The other person is going, there's something behind those hands. There's a life behind those hands. Not perfect, but, the, but that, that, you know, like when I, when I fail to listen to my wife, okay, babe, I'm coming back. Right? Like, it's like that, that quick repentance. Okay, Lord, I haven't been great on my tithing. I haven't been great on my serving. I haven't been great in my dialed in and my spark. But I'm back. I'm back. Here I am. Here I am. You hear me? Radical different experiences in worship. Why? Because point number three, Yod with, God, Yod with Kabod gets God with Kabod. You see, God has a weight. God has a glory. God has a spark. God has a dialed inness. You hear me? And you don't experience his kabod if you're not bringing yours. There's so many Christians that they, they just don't experience God's kabod in their life ever. And, and then obviously you begin to go, well, this thing just doesn't work. Well, not the way you're doing it when you're mailing it in. No, it doesn't. It's like a marriage. You get out of it what you put into it. Oh, marriage sucks. Yeah, the way you're doing it. I mean, here's a great example. When I bring my kabod and the yod, when I bring the Pinot Noir and I'm dialed in, you hearing me? I get Jasmine's kabod. Hello. <laughs> and I gotta have that kabod. That's how it works, y'all. You hearing me? Women aren't stupid. Can't mail that in. Right? She knows when she's being listened to. She knows when she's being, uh, when I'm being attentive to her. You hearing me? When I'm bringing my glory to the relationship, I experience her glory. It's the same way with God. James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah, God's omnipresent, but his kabod is not omnipresent. Right? Otherwise, James wouldn't have written that. Yeah, draw near to him. And as you draw near, then he will draw near to you. And then he begins to get into the Yod and Kabod language here. Cleanse your Yod, you sinners, as in, how do you, so how do you cleanse something? How do you make something holy? In the Bible, when you give something to the Lord, it becomes holy. When you give the tithe, the rest of the 90% becomes holy. Right? How do you sanctify it? Give it. Okay, so cleanse your hands. How do I do that? Give them to the Lord. God, I'm giving you my hands. God, I'm giving you the fruit of my hands, the work of my hands. My money represents my, my hands. And God, I'm, gonna, I'm cleansing them. My hands have been serving me and my agenda my whole life. And God, I repent of that today. I'm a priest and I'm bringing my hands to you. You hearing me? 
Game changer. All of a sudden, things are a little bit magical now, right? And I can't wait to lift my hands to the Lord. Cleanse your kabod, you sinners. How do you cleanse your kabod? You give it. God, I, I repent of not being in this relationship. I have been guilty of, of tuning out. God, I've, I've not been serving the way I know. I, I, I've been, been leaning in the way I know I ought. And God, I'm, I'm repenting. I'm coming to heart and soul tonight is what I'm doing. And I'm going to lean in. I'm going to fast and pray with the church. I'm going to worship. I'm going to lean in. This is going to be a year when I bring my kabod. I'm going to be more faithful in my giving this year than I've ever been. And here's why. Because you get God with kabod. There's this, I'm, I'm going to close with this. There's this principle in the Old Testament. This principle in the Old Testament where every time somebody gave an acceptable sacrifice, every single time God showed up. God never doesn't show up when there's an acceptable sacrifice. He always shows up. And I don't know about you, but I need God in my life. I do, I need him. I need his power, I need his weight, I need his, his, his presence in my life, I need his, his dialed inness. I need him looking and, and, and acting strategically for me. I need this relationship with God. You hearing me? And this is the kind of confidence that the, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews wants every person in our church to have. That when you come into church on a Sunday morning, and you lift your hands to the Lord, that is a sacrifice that pleases God. Especially when there is a life attached to that hand. God, I'm lifting my hands to you in confidence now. Lord, we, we gave today. Lord, we worship that way. And, and God, you know, I, I'm here. I'm leaning into you. You know what I'm saying? You're hearing me here. And as you do that, every acceptable sacrifice, there's a divine response. With every acceptable sacrifice, there's a divine response. You hear me? With every acceptable sacrifice, there's a divine response. Fire comes from heaven. It's magical now, isn't it? I'm a priest. That's, this, that's why I'm here. Oh, that's why I'm here. And as I do that, he shows up. God, I, it's incredible. As I lift my hand, Lord, I know that you're responding from heaven. God, I know that you're leaning in. I don't know where it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But I know that with every acceptable sacrifice, there's a divine response. So, Lord, I'm lifting my hand. Church, why don't you stand up right now? Lord, we lift our hands and our lives to you right now. Father, we thank you for this holy calling of a priesthood. And Father, we repent today. Lord, where there's been places in our lives where, where we've been consumers and it's been all about us. God, no more. Lord, our church crosses a line today, a, a line into the priesthood. Father, we receive that ministry and we dedicate our hands and our lives to you in a fresh way, knowing that as we worship you in spirit and in truth, God, you show up. You are faithful to respond to every acceptable sacrifice. We bless your name, Jesus.